Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let's get right to it. I am looking at a story from July 30th of this year. Tony Evers announcing a statewide mask mandate. Now, this is after Evers had previously said he didn't think he had the legal authority to impose one. He decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to I- impose one. I'm going to declare an emergency, and I'm going to impose one. That order runs for 60 days, and I, I will tell you honestly, regardless of what the legality of the first one was, I don't think too many people believe that without the legislature's approval, Evers has the authority to extend it another 60 days. That 60 days runs in about two weeks. All right, the, so the statewide mask mandate, um, the governor can try to extend it. I don't think he has the legal authority to do it. I think it's the, the legislature would have to act. But we, we've now had a, a month and a half, essentially, living under the statewide mask mandate. And the governor, when he imposed this, yeah, this was his quotation. He said, we tried their way, referring to the Republicans. Folks, it's not working. All right, well, we, we've now had a, a month and a half of the Evers mask mandate, and my question, I guess, is we, we've tried it his way, and is, is it, in fact, working? Sent out a tweet about this yesterday, and if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I think you can make an argument that by any objective standard, by any objective standard, the, the mask mandate in Wisconsin is not working. Uh, and, I mean, here, here are just the numbers. Just look at look at last week. Um, let me see. Let's pull the numbers. Last week was just a, a dreadful week as far as numbers. On on Thursday, the state saw a record 1,547 positive cases. That's a record confirmed in a single day. Friday brought 1,369 more positives, the third most yet. The seven-day average of new cases on Friday was uh, 985, almost 1,000. On Sunday, they had 1,582 cases. The positive number, that's 20.5% of the tests that came back on Sunday, confirmed Sunday, were, were positive. That, that's the highest, I, I think, ever. Now, the good news with all this is that the number of hospitalizations in the state is not going up. Um, I think they have 319 people hospitalized. So the, the medical system is not being overwhelmed with this. And the number of deaths has not increased in anywhere near in proportion to the, the number of positive tests. Why is it? It's because the vast majority of people who are getting sick with COVID are younger people, uh, many of whom get it. They test positive for it, but they, they don't need hospitalization, they've got a sore throat, they've got the sniffles, they've got some respiratory stuff, and they, they get over it. And, and that's that's why I think you're, you're seeing the, the huge spike in numbers, but not the huge spike in hospitalizations, because those of us who are older, those of us who have compromised immune systems, we're taking all the various precautions. We're washing our hands, we're wearing the masks in different places, we're not 
socializing in large groups. We're trying to be smart because we recognize that if we get COVID-19, it's a much bigger deal than if somebody who's 19 gets COVID-19. But the bottom line is we've had this mask mandate in effect for a month and a half, and I think you can make a strong argument that it's not working. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. It, It could be because people aren't obeying the order, People aren't wearing masks when they should be wearing masks. And as a result, uh, it, the, the mask order doesn't have a chance to work. It could be, I guess, because mask mandates, and I understand some people don't want to hear this, but is it possible that the mask mandates aren't what they're cracked up to be? That, that maybe this isn't the silver bullet that some people are are suggesting? Or I guess the third argument would be that as bad as it is, it would have been a lot worse had we not had the mask mandate. We're not going to know that one way or another because you you can't prove a negative. But in any event, in, in two weeks, whether it's the governor or whether it's the legislature, there's going to have to be a decision made as to whether the mask mandate is continued. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it necessary to continue the mandate? Because even without the mandate... I will tell you, people like me, I'm, I'm you know, when, when I go into stores and such, I, I'm going to continue to wear a mask because I don't want to get COVID-19, and I don't know if it's really helping or not, but I don't want to take the chance. So I, I'm going to do that. At the same time, my guess is there's a lot of people who aren't following the order, and they're going to continue to not follow the order. So the only other alternative would be, all right, let's start really cracking down and trying to lock people up. And I don't think the public would stand for that. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. By any objective standard, the current mask mandate is not reducing the number of positive COVID-19 results particularly among young people, does it make any sense to continue it or should we just, I don't know, trust those people who are the most vulnerable to do the right thing and recognize that you're just not going to be able to control the behavior of other people? 855-616-1620, we discuss next. Okay, here's the reality. In Wisconsin, Tony Evers issued a mask mandate, oh, about six weeks ago. It's got another two weeks to run, all right? The COVID-19 positive numbers are higher now than ever, and and it's been pretty consistent that way. Now, I don't think there's any question that the mask mandate isn't working. So the question becomes, why isn't it working? Is it because maybe masks aren't that effective? Is it because people aren't paying attention to it? Is there something else going on? But at the end of the month, we're going to have to decide whether it gets continued or not. Now, even if it's not continued, there's going to be a number of us, and I'm going to I lump myself in that category. When I go into grocery stores, I'll, I'll, I'll put on a mask. My wife will put on a mask. I'm of that age group that if I get COVID-19, I'm afraid it's going to be a big deal. At the same time, I understand that there's lots of people who are younger than me, the college students, etc. It doesn't matter whether there's a mask mandate or not. They, they're... They're still going out. They're still partying. They're not paying attention to it. So given that they're not paying attention to it, what do we do? Maggie in Cedarburg. Maggie, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, Maggie. Yeah, I, um, I, think, we should, I, should, I think we should let the mandate die. I, I don't think it's doing what we had hoped it would do, and I think we need to allow people to take control of their health again. Now, when you say take control of your health, what, what, what do you mean by that? 
Well, I think we're missing the point. I think a virus is a virus. We've always had viruses. We always will. We need to be talking with people about how to keep their own immune systems mm-hmm. healthy and strong. And, you know, I have a friend right now being tested, but I'm sure she has a bacterial infection because she's been masked all this time. Yeah. So, you know, what's, what's the next piece of this? We're going into flu season and we're all going to be sicker because we haven't allowed our bodies to do what God enabled our bodies to do, which is fight for us. Okay, thanks for the call. Uh, it's interesting you should mention that because I, I have a, a very dear friend who's in the hospital right now, um, and, and actually, uh, the, originally, a lot some of the symptoms we were all positive that he had COVID. We didn't know how I caught COVID. We were positive he had. And I, hadn't, I haven't, I haven't personally seen him in in a, in a couple months, so it wasn't like you're worried about getting exposed. But as it turns out, both COVID tests came back negative because he has something that, unfortunately, I think it has the potential to be worse than COVID. So it's it's one of those things. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. First caller, Maggie, says, we, we just got to let this play out. Now, by the way, even if there's not, like I say, even if there's not a mask mandate, even if we don't have this order in place, I, I think there's still a lot of us that are going to, con- our behavior is going to change one way or the other. I'm going to continue to social distance. I, I'm not going to be running into groups where there's hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm not going to large keggers or anything like that. And I will probably, with or without a mandate, you know, for the foreseeable future, I'm going to probably wear a mask inside when I go into stores just because, well, just because. I, I guess I, I view it as, as not being harmful. But at the same time, do you need a government mandate if it's not working? Let's talk to... um Rod in Green Bay. Roger on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, up here in Green Bay, Brown County, we are re- we really have a lot of cases with a high rate of positive tests. It doesn't surprise me a bit. No one up here wears masks. The bars are packed. People shoulder to shoulder in bleachers at the Brown County Fair, none of them wearing masks. It's like the mask mandate doesn't exist up here because very few people are following it. I was just in a quick trip. Maybe one out of five people I saw wearing a mask. And so the point is is that we are the stupid people among us, which seems like there's quite a bit of stupid people, are the ones that are driving this outbreak. Look at Milwaukee County's numbers where people are much more diligent about wearing masks. Their numbers are nowhere near what they are in other parts of the state. So I had to uh, get this out of my mind. No, no, no. Thank so, you. so that. Oh, well, okay. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. You didn't need. I didn't mean to hang up on you. Or you didn't even need to hang up because my my question was going to be, if and and that that is a that is a reasonable that is a reasonable answer to my question. If we accept the premise that the mask mandates aren't working, and, and I think that's you look at the numbers. I think that's a fair comment. Then the question becomes, okay, why is it that the masks? aren't as effective in reducing the spread as maybe they've been, been made out to be. And I think there's an element to that. And is it also then because people just aren't following the orders? So if people have decided, we were describing as, as stupid people, Rob, okay, if people have decided they're not going to follow it, then, then what do we do? Do you keep imposing a mandate that people aren't going to follow? Or do you simply say, 
okay, now, now we're really going to start enforcing it. If, if the problem is people aren't enforcing it, what we're going to do is we're going to divert resources, we're going to make a commitment, and we're going to start arresting people who aren't wearing masks. We're going to start issuing fines. We are going to be aggressive because we want to force this behavior. And if you're not going to do that, if you think it's unenforceable, that's not going to work, then what's the purpose of extending the mandate if people aren't going to follow it? Or do you trust people to kind of do the, the right thing? And you know, to your point, even though these numbers are going up, I, I do think that there's a lot of people, particularly the people who are most vulnerable, are making that that decision. Um, like I say, I, I know a lot of people in my age range or a little bit younger, or a little bit older. I mean, they have changed their behavior because they're scared of getting coronavirus. People who are 25 have a different perspective. Marsha in McGuanago. Marsha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? What do we do? Well, I have been in the healthcare field for a good number of years. I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but I'm on the alternative side. And with the amount of chemicals that we're using to kill all of the germs that are around us, we're putting a tax on our body and our immune system. Our livers have to clear all those things that we're breathing in while we're cleaning. We're coming into contact with more um chemicals, which is hard on our bodies, so our immune system can't fight. And putting a mask on, we're rebreathing the air that is going out, and our body is supposed to expel those things. Our nose and our lungs were meant to operate in a certain manner. By putting the mask on, we're rebreathing that air, and we have seen increased cases of things such as strep throat and sinus infections. So, you know, from a healthcare standpoint, I don't think that we should continue doing this. Those people who are at high risk, when you go into a high risk situation, yes, you need to mask if you are that concerned. But I think it should be led by personal choice mm-hmm. and by allowing our body to operate as it should. And if that means that you have large numbers of college kids, for example, you know, people, and that's where you're seeing that it's teenagers and it's, it's the people in their twenties. If you see large numbers of college kids continuing to get this, what, what do we do? Just say, okay, well, you're going to get it. You're going to get sick. Chances are you're not going to have a really bad outcome and then you're going to get better. And then theoretically you'll have immunity. Is that, is that how we handle it? It's just, you're going to get sick, go ahead, get sick, get better, and then move on. Uh, to, to some degree, yes, we should, you know, continue social distancing to help prevent the taxation on our healthcare system. However, by you know suppressing everything, we're not we're not helping. Yes, our body needs to get it. We need to get to a okay. level where we have achieved what's considered to be herd immunity. If a person has been exposed to a coronavirus in their life, which you have, I have, every child has. These kids, the reason that their body is having less symptoms is because when their body looks at a coronavirus, which is a regular cold, it says, hey, you're in the same family. I'm going to start my immune reaction starting and and treat you like you are a cold. So their symptoms are going to be less and they're going to recover faster than Mm -hmm. somebody who hasn't been exposed to it, which is why these kids who are three, four and five are, you know, having very asymptomatic or little to no reactions because their their immune system knows what a coronavirus is. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate the perspective. I, I, we're going to continue this. Matter of fact, we're going to continue this through the news because I this, this <clears throat> it's a. I understand that we're going where angels fear to tread in this thing because it it, it elicits really strong opinions one way or the other. But 
but six weeks in, the, the, the numbers don't lie. We're coronavirus in Wisconsin, the numbers continue to go up. And to, to borrow Tony Evers' phrase, folks, what we're doing isn't working. So I raise the question, does that mean that you double down on the mask mandate and say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to start, like, arresting people who aren't wearing masks, really, I mean, significant fines, diverting police resources to do it? Or do we go the other way and simply say, okay, it, it is what it is. We want to encourage people to social distance. We want to encourage people to wear masks. People who are in the at-risk groups, you need to take special attention, but you know we're, we're not going to continue with a mask mandate that isn't working because either it's not what it's cracked up to be or people aren't following it. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. Jeff, there's really no hard proof, this text, that masks even work. When the whole thing started, we were even told by the CDC not to wear masks. Now they are the be-all, end-all. It is time to live our lives. Jeff, I go to a lot of quick-trip stores because I do outside sales all over the state. I'd say it's about 50-50 on people wearing masks or not wearing them. It doesn't work. It will not work. Um, Jeff, the mask mandates are a lot like the Kenosha curfews. Why impose them if you're not going to enforce them? Well, that's kind of the issue. Let's talk to Mike in Madison. Mike, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, great, great topic. Thanks for putting it out there. And I think your last two callers did a really good job of expressing where they're coming from. I mean, I would say a few things. I mean, I I think we respect businesses who want us to wear masks because it's their property. And so I think that should just continue as is. I think also we need to respect other people who think they're at risk. But the hard reality is, and to your last caller, who she did just a phenomenal job, um, my wife practiced medicine for almost 20 years, um, and she would wholeheartedly agree with your last caller on where we are with what masks could actually be a problem, especially to young children. Children do need to be exposed to um, the environment, and when we mask them, this way we are we may be setting ourselves up for a problem and i just would finally say that you know when people say masks work i mean you look at you know south america where they've had draconian mask laws and shutdowns and their cases still spike it's not working what you really what people should be focusing on you probably know this i think a lot of your listeners know this we need to look at hospitalization rates and deaths Mm -hmm. and that across the board throughout the world is rapidly falling and we should all be celebrating that and it's it's disappointing we're not yeah, thanks. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you, you bring that up. And again, I don't mean to turn this into an anti-mask tirade, but, but you know, you, you raise the point. In, in a number of the areas where there have been the, the hot the hot spots, remember a couple of weeks of Florida and Texas and California? I mean, California has had a statewide mask mandate in effect since, I want to say, May. Now, it could be June, but but I want to say May. So it's been months, and the numbers have still gone up. So what does that tell you? It tells you either... Again, the basic premise that the mask mandates don't work. Um, maybe it's that they're not being enforced. And if something's not being enforced, then the choice is, do you really want to crack down or do we just want to encourage people to do it? Um, but but that's just the reality. I mean, people say, oh, masks work, masks work. Well, uh, and maybe, I mean, I can't prove the negative. Maybe you can make the argument that it would be a lot worse if we didn't have the mask mandates. But at the same time, I'm just looking at these positive numbers that are going up and up and up, and we've had the mask mandate in effect for six weeks. We pick it up right there. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go right back to the phones. Rob, who's calling us from Paris. 
but Paris, Wisconsin, in Kenosha County. Hi, Rob. Hey, Jeff. Thanks yeah. for taking the call. It's I funny. My, my, produce, call. My, my producer, when I was te- doing the Paris tease, he says, you know that's Paris, Wisconsin. I said, yes, I knew it was Paris, Wisconsin. Thank you. Um, what do you think you about are, all this? You are you are ge- geographically wise in Wisconsin. <laughs> Most people say, where is Paris? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, no, I... I uh, appreciate the conversation. I guess for me, uh, I am against the mask mandate. The reason is the, the reasons that we have it. Uh, I was all on board when they said we've got to um, flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the system. But when we talk about stop the spread, I think that's counterintuitive. It's actually against what we want to do because it's going to be out there. So at some point, you've got to take the mask down. So where you say we're getting increased cases, I actually look at that as a positive. Because the more people that get it and don't go into the hospital, the better off we're all going to be when we take off the mask. Because at some point, you, me, everyone is going to have to take the mask off. And when you do that, and not enough people have had it for herd immunity, then we're going to overwhelm the hospital system again. So my question to the people being, you know, that are for the mask mandate, okay, at what point do you take your mask off? And what is the rationale for taking a mask off? Are you you going to keep it on all the time to avoid flu, COVID, any kind of disease that you might get Mm -hmm. and not let your immune system work? So I guess I'm just a little confused on what the purpose is. Well, let me ask you this, though. Okay, one of the reasons the hospitalization numbers, I I think, have not gone up. Matter of fact, I think that they've actually gone down. And the death numbers have not increased, essentially, they really haven't, is because most of the the people who are getting covid are in the less at risk groups and again i understand anybody can have a bad reaction yep. but if you're 82 yep. years old and a cancer survivor your chances of bad reaction are much 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 greater than if you're you know 21 years old and in perfect health what what do we yep. do, do we need for for the people that are the most vulnerable people that are older do, do they need to wear masks is is that should that should that be where we concentrate our efforts well, absolutely. I think the mistake that we've seen on the East Coast states is we didn't fence in the people that were most vulnerable, the people that had 2.5 comorbidity issues. Instead, they threw people that were COVID-infected into those systems and yeah. overwhelmed it. Now, what we do know about COVID diseases is they're a Q1 disease, and it seems to correlate with vitamin D in the sun. It's the same with the flu. You know, the flu spikes in the winter, in the first quarter, and then it dissipates in Q2, 3, and starts to increase again in Q4. The, the, the same thing is happening with, with um, the COVID. And I think we did a horrible job of protecting the elderly and those people that were most vulnerable. And anytime you go into those situations, absolutely, you need to wear a mask. You need to protect those people. They don't have the immune system to fight this. Right. But one of the ways we protect it is to get this through the system as soon as possible without overwhelming the hospitals. Right. So as soon as we get as many people that we can have get it, then we're better off. And the idea that somehow we're protecting the spread by wearing a mask, no, you're not. You're just delaying it. It's not going anywhere. It will not disappear. It will always be here with us. Good enough. So, and, and thanks for calling. At least until, I mean, thanks for calling. At least until, forever. yeah, no, thanks for calling. At least until... We, we get a vaccine. As a matter of fact, I've got a vaccine topic I want to bring up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. But even with the vaccine, there, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't are going to make the decision that they're not going to get vaccinated, at least certainly not in the first couple waves of that. Um, now, I, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you, you were talking about, you know, some of the bad decisions we made early on. I, I understand the governor of New York, uh, Cuomo, he, he was getting all these accolades for the great way he handled thing, things. I, I think the, the single 
worst public policy decision that we have seen in in this entire COVID thing was the decision in New York when this was spreading, where they said to nursing homes, okay, you have to accept COVID-19 patients in nursing homes. How, how dumb was that? Let's take the most vulnerable of our population, and then let's take people who are, you know have, have this disease, and then let's put them in with other people who are extremely vulnerable. I mean, I think you, know, you can make a real strong argument that, and again, going back to what I was saying earlier, one of the reasons you're not seeing hospitalizations go up is I think that I do believe that people are smart and people who are in the more high at high risk categories are taking all sorts of precautions. It's the people that aren't that concerned about coronavirus. They don't want to spread it. They don't want to spread COVID-19 to their parents or their grandparents. But, you know, the the 22 year olds, it's like, okay, I I know all sorts of people that got it and a couple people get sick. But most people, it's like strep throat. They're better in a couple days. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Matt in Mequon. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, Personally, I don't think the mask mandate works. Um, I don't think I think it should be only voluntary. Personally, I don't think that's how you transmit it anyways. Um, wearing a mask, in my opinion, makes things worse because you're always touching your face when you're adjusting it. I don't think it's uh, I think it can make things worse. And I think if you're outdoors, it's unnecessary because you're breathing fresh air. And I think it's bad to breathe your own carbon dioxide. And I don't see why kids should even wear it because uh, kids are not catching it. It's it's not they're not going to transmit it nor are they going to catch it so it makes no sense for them to wear it. Personally, I think it should be just strictly voluntary. Mm-hmm. People just follow common sense rules. You know, just wash your hands. Okay, if you're healthy, you're fine. If you're not feeling good, just stay home. And uh, but yeah, just common sense. Do, needs Matt, to be let me ask you here. this: Do you wear a mask now? Sure. Do you, when you go inside, do you wear a mask into into buildings. Well, and I don't stuff? wear a mask inside unless of uh, a business, for instance, requires you got to wear yeah. a mask to do shopping. Okay, fine. Um, but other than that, I don't believe, you know, okay. think it's important to wear a mask. Okay, well, thanks. For, no, thanks. For, I mean, I just I, I want to get to as many calls as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I if a business and, and people are making the point. Yes, I by the way, I understand that masks, masks don't protect you from getting sick. Masks protect you from getting other people sick. That that's the that's the way it works. And, and candidly, and I understand there's some asymptomatic spread people who have it and don't know it. I'd be curious as to what percentage of the population that is. I, it's just like, you know, when they had an outbreak out among young people out in Ozaki County a couple months ago, what, what it was is they found out that, that some kid had gone to several large graduation parties when even though he hadn't tested positive for COVID, he was running like 102 fever or something like that. I mean, it, it's which brings me to the point I make on often occasions that you can't fix stupid. I mean, if, if you're not, and I understand there are people who are asymptomatic who don't have have it but can spread it but you know the bigger point is if you feel sick and, and you're out and about in public and you're interacting with other people that's to, to me you know that's where a huge part of the problem comes from all right let's talk to um let's see we've got uh marcus on the north side marcus good afternoon hey good afternoon great topic uh I, i'll make it real fast uh, what i'm seeing is this i agree that they should let the man uh, mass mandate uh, go away because what I'm seeing in the city is that it's 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 fifty fifty compliance and what I'm seeing from the store owners and my travels in the, in the city is this is that a lot of them don't want to get involved with the enforcement piece of it because they don't want to have confrontation with with customers 
And so they just let individuals walk in with no mask on whatsoever right. and everyone's compliant. And then my second point is this, that, like I said, as far as children are concerned, I have two beautiful children. They're 12. Uh, my parents are still alive. Everything is fine. But what I'm saying is this, is that at a certain point, it's just like uh, was the mumps, the measles. Uh, it, 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 it's just total herd immunity. It, 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 you're you're going to catch that common cold. We all had a cold in our lifetime. You've had one. I've had one. I've had a cold. But there's nothing we can do about that. But as the last caller just said, when that mask comes off or when that boy comes out the bubble, remember that movie, The Boy That Came Out the sure. Bubble? He found out what life was. You have to touch the dirt. You actually have to touch something that's dirty. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Okay, but, but let me stop you. Let me ask you the point. same question I asked one of the other callers. At, at, the people who get COVID-19 have, have markedly different reactions. And as I keep saying, you know, if, if you're in your 60s right. or 70s or 80s and you're, you've got other, you know, issues that are going on, you don't want anything right. to do with this. So should we concentrate our our efforts on trying to keep those groups of people, you know, safe? Is Because we, we don't want that 82-year-old cancer survivor getting COVID-19 because chances are it's going to have a really bad outcome for them. Well, what they should do is, I mean, if, if you know that you have underlying conditions, I know if I have underlying conditions, I think that those individuals are already protecting themselves. I think that the biggest problem, uh, Jeff, is this, is that the people that are in their nursing homes, basically at this point, yes, it could be a death sentence. I'm just being right. upfront with it. Yes, yeah. it could be because of the health care uh, workers that are working with them. You don't know who they're dealing with, so they're dealing with your loved one. They could have COVID, and they give it to them, and they're done. So what I'm saying is that you cannot, at this point, with this particular disease, at this point in time, you cannot protect that percentage of the population. So the young people that are doing what they're doing, they're having fun. They're not worried about it. And I congratulate them on that because even my kids, because live your life. They're going to be all right. But, it, it, but when that mask comes off, how strong is your immunity? Because at some point, you're going to have to breathe the natural air. And I'll have to leave it at that. Thanks for the call, Marcus. I appreciate it. I, I wish I had an answer to this, but this this is a conversation in Wisconsin that we got to be having over the next couple of weeks because I understand the the, the the mainstream media and, I mean, I had the Surgeon General in a couple of months, and he's, he said, well, I mean, I remember he said, if, if everybody wears masks, this goes away. And and so now we have all these mask mandates, and it, it didn't go away in Florida, and it didn't go away in Texas, and it didn't go away in California. And if anything, in Wisconsin, the numbers have gotten worse. Now they've gotten worse among groups that I don't think are paying any attention to the mask mandates, which then raises the question that I have been raising for six months. Why have rules if you know, number one, that large groups of people aren't going to follow them, and number two, you're not going to enforce them? And that, so that's the question. Now, having said that, I, I don't I don't think we have the resources to go around and start putting hand putting handcuffs on, on everybody that you see in Milwaukee walking down the street outside not wearing a mask. I, I just we don't have the resources to do that, and I don't know that it would necessarily change behavior one way or the other. I guess to me, I, I think we need to take a step back and look at how we're approaching this and figure out. Let's figure out what we can do to keep those that are the most vulnerable. Let's concentrate our efforts in trying to keep those that are the most vulnerable. Let's figure out how to keep them safe and recognize that until we get a vaccine, we're going to have to live with it. And this this comes from the perspective of somebody, like I say, I've, I've got two masks in my pocket. When I go inside to places, I, I put them on. 
all right, because I, I'm not sick right now, but I don't want to get somebody else sick, and if the business asks me to do it, I'm, I'm going to, to do it. But is it working? I don't know. Back with more in just a minute. It was predictable, but that makes that does not make it any less disgraceful. We hope they die. For those of you who haven't been following the story, and this is, I, I want to be real clear here. The, the, the person responsible for the shooting of those two L.A. police officers, and if you haven't heard the story, what, what happens over the weekend is there's two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies that are sitting in a patrol car in, in Compton, California, all right, and they're, they're outside of like a transit station, but they're just sitting in the patrol cars. One of the deputies is a 31-year-old mom. The other is a 24-year-old male. So they're, they're, they're just sitting there. Apparently, somebody decided that they were going to execute the, the police, a completely random hit, which makes it look like, I mean, apparently you, you just had somebody out there that was looking to kill cops. And so what this person did is they walked up to the car while the police were just sitting in there, shot both of the deputies at close range. Um, and again, it looks like it's any available target. So the, the, there's a, a of course, there's a huge manhunt going on looking for the person responsible for that. The good news of this is that while the two officers who were shot are in critical condition, it appears that they are both going to pull through. Okay, so here you have some psychopath who decides that he's going to go up and he's going to try to execute these police officers. That, of course... It's it's predictable, given some of the rhetoric that is out there um, and some of the things that you're hearing from some of the protests. But it doesn't mean you hold, for example, Black Lives Matter responsible for that. It, it's some it, it's a psychopath that's out there, you know, shooting cops. Unfortunately, there are people who have been associated with these protests who who say exactly that that that's the attitude. You had an event in Kenosha, what about a week and a half ago, and one of the speakers stands up at the end and says, "Okay, th- this is it. You know, we're it's time to take this to the streets. They kill one of ours, we're going to kill one of theirs." I mean, and and that's that's unfortunately what happens is you have some of this unhinged rhetoric coming from at least a subset of the, this protest movement. But that's not the worst thing that happened. Yes, it, it's horrible that you have these officers that were shot, but from a, a, a big macro picture, it's what happens next that is just absolutely appalling. It's unjustified, and it should be something that is troubling to anybody, regardless of where you are on these issues. So the two officers are, are shot. They're taken to the, the hospital where they're receiving treatment. And if you haven't heard this story, apparently what happens is a number of protesters show up at the entrance to the hospital where the officers are receiving treatment. They decide to stage a protest blocking the entrance to the hospital and chanting, we hope they die. We hope they die. So here you have protesters that feel comfortable enough in today's America to show up outside the hospital where officers who have been the victims of an assassination attempt, somebody tries to murder them in cold blood, protesters show up, block the entrance to the hospital, and chant, we hope they die. All right, here's the bottom line. You, You wonder why 
people like me talk from time to time about there being a backlash to some of the aspects of the social justice movement. Well, it's because of things like this. It's because of the rioting in Kenosha. It's because of the 30 businesses burned down. It's because of the millions, what, $50 million in damages that were done to to businesses uh, that have nothing at all to do with any aspects of the social justice movement. And it's when people show up outside the hospital after some crazy has decided to try to assassinate two police officers and then are so bold that they want to exercise their First Amendment rights by chanting, we hope they die. All right, I, I mean, seriously, to, to people who are trying to bring about change in this country, is this really part of the movement that you want to be associated with? The protesters are out there chanting, we hope they die. And tell me again, where, where are we going to get the next generation of police? I mean, seriously, if that is the attitude that some people have, that it's open season on police, I mean, who in their right mind is one, going to want to do that job? We hope they die. A new all-time low in American protest history. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so... During the late spring, summer, and early fall, my Sunday morning routine is I play golf. You know, and it's, and interestingly, the church I go to has been closed since March. Still hasn't reopened. It hasn't reopened for services, which is kind of bizarre to me. But so it makes it easy. I, I, I'm not missing at least church at the church I go to. So I have no moral compunction at all from, you know, playing golf. So I, I play golf on Sunday mornings. And the way we time it is that if if everything goes fine and there's not huge delays on the course, we get done just about in enough time to hop in our cars and there there's this watering hole that the guys I play with and all, it's between like where I play golf and where I live. And if we time it just right, we can get from the golf course to the watering hole and we can we can find ourselves a place to sit right in time for the kickoff. And that is exactly how it worked out yesterday. And yeah, and so, you know, and of course, before people send me the text, I mean, the place I go to, I am comfortable with that, and it's spaced out a little bit and things like that. But in any event, so we play golf, we get there, and um, we, we're set up right at the beginning of the Packers game, right a little bit before noon. And of course, what, what happens with all the NFL kickoffs, there were a, a series of, I don't know if you want to call them protests or, or demonstrations or um, statements, you know, fill in the blank. The Packers did not come out of the locker room for the national anthem. The Minnesota Vikings came out and then they, they some kneeled, some knelt and, and some stood on, on the sidelines. And that was the demonstration. Then the Packers all come out afterwards. That is not, that is not uncommon. A number of teams did that over the course of the the weekend that they they had their their demonstrations they had their protests they had their statements in support of the black lives matter movement or, or whatever and then they moved on and played the game now in the place i was at yesterday when that happened i don't want to say that everybody booed but it was not greeted with enthusiasm by the crowd let me just 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 say that and it, it really wasn't a comment on, I think, the, the ultimate purpose, we're trying to call attention to Black Lives Matter or whatever. It was more like, 
oh, for goodness sakes, you know, we're, we're here to watch you play football. We don't want to have your social justice statement, your political statement crammed down our throat. So, so people, people booed. I'm not saying everybody booed, but, but people booed. There was noticeable un- discomfort. All right. All right. At the next then, of course, the, the kickoff happened and Packers get the ball. They drive the length of the field, score a field goal. Then the Vikings come back and they score a touchdown. And then you're kind of off to the races. And then then there's the game going on. And people's reaction in the place I was at was, was the same yesterday as it would have been if we were watching a Packers Vikings game last year or two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. The the reaction to the protests were forgotten. Everybody was in the game. They were cheering the Packers' plays. How can you not get that fourth down? Why didn't you kick the field? You know, the, the whole thing. Cheering, and, and it was like, okay, we, we've forgotten what happened at the beginning of the game, which is what I've been kind of arguing I, I thought was going to happen all along. You know, we, we've had conversations, and some people have called up, and they've said, we're, we're done with football. We're, we're, we're not watching this. We're not paying any attention that this is it. We, we've had it. We're not going to, you know, we're not never going to watch an NBA game again. We're upset with baseball for doing all this stuff. And at the end of the day, my thought's always been, yeah, maybe people are going to be upset. Maybe they're going to do what some people did in the place I was at yesterday, which is kind of boo the protest because, again, they, they don't they, they don't want the politics of it. And it is a political statement, let's be honest, the politics of it mixed in with what their, their football is. But what I saw yesterday is once the game started, people forgot about that, that blip beforehand, which makes me think – that regardless of how long this this goes on, regardless of whether this standing or kneeling or staying in the locker room or whatever, even if that's week to week to week, my guess is as long as people are, are still, as long as the team is winning, you know, people aren't going to care about that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, be, be honest now. I mean, did... Did the protests that happened started on Thursday night and then kind of amplified at different stadiums on, on Sunday? Did it really did it change your approach to, to watching the football game? Did it make you say, OK, I'm not going to watch the Packers game because that's been my point all along. I mean, I can understand how people might not be sympathetic to this. I can understand how people are going to be turned off by it. But at the same time. I, I don't know if they didn't have the Packers game on in this bar I was in. Everybody would have left to go find a bar where the Packers were playing. So, are all the, this consternation, these people saying, "Okay, we're never going to watch this again," right? Is is that really true, or do they mean we're not going to watch it until twelve oh one when they they kick off and the game starts? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And and I admit, while I'm, I'm not. While some of the aspects of the protests I find to be a turnoff didn't stop me from watching the game, didn't stop me from listening to our halftime coverage as I was driving home, didn't stop me from listening to or watching the second half once I got home. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, let's get take some text before we uh, go to the phones. Jeff, my usual group who we would watch the Packers game with and hang out with, all didn't watch them yesterday. Instead, we got together, and the four couples planned out the next 15 weeks of Sundays to hang out and not watch the NFL. By the way, three out of the four couples have fellow veterans 
of the armed forces. Jeff, if anything, I watched more. Exercise your right to make a statement than play the game, which is exactly what happened. Good for football. I believe it's possible to do both. Jeff, I will listen to WTMJ for the games, but I haven't turned the NFL on yet. I love sports, but that is what I want to see. If I want politics, I will just put the news on. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, my brother is a diehard Packers fan from Lake Geneva and has been throughout and has been throughout his 20 year military career, even throughout several deployments. He is currently serving in Baltimore and works for the NSA. Jeff, I will watch. Actually, it was nice to hear that stupid, but not to hear the stupid Vikings horn. Well, that was a, that's true. There, there was that good element of that. Jeff, I said I wasn't going to watch and I didn't. I'm an Air Force vet. I'm very disappointed in what's going on in this country. That is from Dennis. Um, Jeff, the protest didn't bother me one bit. They sang the national anthem. They decided to not come out. The national anthem was over. The ball was kicked off and it was right into football. It felt like any other game. I, I will say that was kind of the sense I got. Again, where I was watching, I, I, there, there was, a negative reaction to the what I'm terming the protests at the beginning of the game, and then after kickoff, it it was like any other game. People yelling about the coach's decision and how could that guy be that open or throw the ball, Aaron, or whatever. But you know that everything was forgotten during the course of the game, which is kind of how I thought it was going to be. But I, I know that that's not universal. Now, as I said last week when we talked about this. I think to the extent it has an impact, it, it's most likely to be on the collateral stuff. By that, I mean like the, the, the occasional fans, you know, who's saying, okay, I'm kind of turned off by this, so I'm not going to watch the Thursday night game between Kansas City and, and Houston. But for Packers fans, um, you know, they're going to watch the Packers. They're going to listen to the games, aren't they? Let's start with Michelle. Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Um, I was... I was, hi, um, I was really disappointed. Um, I didn't even turn the game on. Um, I kind of made the decision before the game that I wasn't going to watch it, and neither did my husband, actually. Um, I just don't like that they're making a political thing out of the football. I mean, it started with the kneeling, you know, and they did that all last year. And it's just like, how far are we going to let them go with Mm -hmm. making these political statements? Mm-hmm. Oh. When they're supposed to be, they're being paid to play their game and mm-hmm. keep politics out of it. Are, it just really makes me mad. Okay, do you think? Do, so you didn't, you didn't, you neither watched nor listened to the game yesterday. No, we turned it on after to see what the score was. Right. We were kind of disappointed and thought, well, shoot, that was probably a good game to watch. But <laughs> okay, you know, so I just. Okay, so so kickoff is kickoff is next Sunday, Michelle. They're one and zero. They're playing Detroit. You're going to be watching or listening to the game, or or you think you're still going to be turning them off? Well, if they're still going to protest or do the Black National Anthem or whatever they're going to do, I will not watch. No. Okay, thanks for calling. Interesting. I I I, and again, everybody's got to find. Everybody's got to you know water finds its own level. Everybody's going to have to decide for themselves. I'm just saying that I, I think in some respects there's a disconnect between what people say they're going to do and what people actually do do. Jim in Watertown. Jim, you're on WTMJ. I'm sorry, Wauwatosa. Jim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, did this did, did this turn you off? Absolutely. I'm a life well, I'm a longtime listener of yours, lifelong Packer fan, and um, 
for the very long foreseeable future. I'm done with the Packers and I'm done with the NFL. Really? Wow. And um, I I talked to several of my friends later yesterday and last night. I was quite surprised, even though a lot of them are uh, veterans or uh, um, current or retired police officers, which I am both. Um, and they all agree that they're done. They're not going to be watching the Packers or any other NFL game again. Again, I mean, you, you think this is more than just like a, a one week thing? Like a, a you, you think that they're serious? That this is just they're, they're turned off? They're not going to be watching the NFL moving forward? Oh yes, one of my again another good friend, lifelong Packer fan. He just he lives for the Packers. I, I couldn't believe it. He said he's done with them. Well, um, interesting. No, thank, I think I mean I, again. I find. I find it hard to believe that. Again, I can understand casual fans, but I, I'm, I find it hard to believe that people would say, "Okay, I've been a Packers fan all my life." And 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 look, let, let's face it. I mean, being Packers, being a Packers fan is somewhat like you know, it, it's it's a, in some respects, it's a religion in Wisconsin. You know, the the affinity we have for our football team is, I, I think deeper than the affinity that most places have. Not all places, but most places. Let's talk to uh, Dan. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Dan. Hello, Jeff. Can you I, hear me? I can. Good afternoon. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm a, a big-time backer of yours. I listen to your shows pretty much all, all the time. Um, yeah, I'm completely turned off. Um, I was on the fence to begin with because of how everything was going. You could see it was going in that direction. But when you can't even come out for the flag, whether you're kneeling, stand, whatever you want to do, the fact that you can't even watch and listen to it as, as a Packer, nah, that Bart Starr would never do this. I, I yeah, I turned it off immediately. I couldn't even believe they weren't out of the locker room. Mm-hmm. Now, what, just, what they say is they didn't come out of the locker room because they didn't want they, they didn't want to take away from the message of, of unity. They they didn't want the fact that some might kneel and some might stand to be seen as a as as a statement. They just felt it was better to just pass on the whole thing. You didn't buy that, huh? No, not at all. No, I think that's a cop-out. I think that's a weak excuse, and quite frankly, I, yeah, all of them can go. I, I don't have time for it. I got a lot of stuff done. The other thing I'd like to say is as this season goes on, yeah, this might die down, but you know what? It is going to be full in your face come Super Bowl time. And, yeah, no, I don't need that. I don't need the blood pressure fitting. I just don't. <laughs> and what happened in California now? Totally unacceptable. This is where we're heading. You don't even say anything about that with the cops getting shot. Oh so, yeah, no, I mean, no, no, thank, no, thanks. For, I mean, right, the, the the execution that we talked about just a couple minutes ago. Uh, let's see. Let me just take a couple more texts here. A lot of people want to weigh in. Um, Jeff, let's see which one of those diehard Packer fans that are never watching the NFL are willing to give up their season tickets. Um, well, that's always a question too. Uh, let's see, Jeff, it, if. I guess there must be a large number of racists among Packers fans. Good riddance to all of them. See, now that's not fair either. I, I because you are upset with the protest does not mean that you are a racist. It flat out doesn't. Because just like people have the right to protest, people have the right to react to those protests. So, I mean, that that's it, too. I understand that that's the simplistic, oh, if you don't support the protest, you're automatically racist. No, I don't think that's fair at all, either. Jeff, it didn't, if this is from Mike in Marquette, Michigan, it didn't affect how I watched or listened to the game. Whether you agree or disagree, it's not like the protests 
protests interfered with the actual game on the field after the ball was kicked off. It was all about football. And again, that's that's kind of the sense I got watching it in the bar. Jeff, a fan. I've been a fan since 1965. I'm done with the NFL and the Packers. At the same time, the Bears still suck. Well, that's it. Jeff, I'm a 44-year-old woman. I typically watch with my husband and a group of friends. I did not watch one minute yesterday. I read an entire book cover to cover. I have no plans to return to the NFL. Um, Let's see. Jeff, I am a huge Packers fan. My basement is completely made up of Packers memorabilia, autographs, I outside I have a TV that's in a compartment that's painted green and gold. I have a Packers flag on a 20-foot flagpole and I will be honest with you, I will not watch a Packers game this year. Wow. Wow. Um I I guess I I understand that you know people feel strongly about it, but to me, I guess I I'm surprised if if that really is how this plays out. Jeff, prior to 2009, the teens did not stand on the field for the National Anthem. I was fine with the Packers on the field for it, and we watched the entire game. I guess the bottom line of all this is, for people who thought that we were going to put this all behind us, now, I don't know what the plans are moving forward. I I don't know if, if next week the Packers are going to come out and stand on the sideline during the National Anthem, and then whether all will be forgotten and forgiven among the people who are upset about this. Don't know how that's going to all play out. Don't know if for the next the rest of the year the Packers and other teams are planning to be in the locker room, how they're going to handle it. But for people who think that this is going to go away, regardless of what side you're on, the answer is I, I, not yet. Not yet. Now, Jordan, producing the show today, while my regular producer, Gru, is... He got married over the weekend. At least as far as we know, we, he got married over the weekend. Yeah, he tied the knot. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be back uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Right, that's the plan. But you were asking the question about ratings. And it's... Okay, so we, we one thing we know, Thursday night's game, the, the lead-off to this season, um, it, it, was, it was down dramatically. I mean, millions fewer people watched this year than last year. Now, this year, the game was Kansas City against Houston. Last year, it was the Bears and the Packers. It was the 100th anniversary anniversary of the NFL and let, let's face it this has been kind of a weird season there weren't preseason games and I think for a lot of it's like oh football is, is starting plus you know no fans in the stands so it's a weird sort of year ratings were way way down on Thursday night I don't know yet I don't have the numbers in front of me for the Sunday afternoon games but for last night's Sunday night football on, on NBC um, it, and and it, it was th- th- that was a good game. You have the Dallas Cowboys. You had the Los Angeles Rams. They're opening up that new stadium, so it, w- it was kind of a, it was a decent sort of matchup. Uh, the numbers were were bleak. I mean, way way down. Um, they're estimating that in their their target demo, which is adults eighteen to forty nine, none of us over fifty matter to the advertisers. I guess I, that's and by the way, that's dumb. That's dumb because. A lot of people over 50 are, are the ones that have some of the disposable income to, to spend. So I, I welcome all of our listeners and all of our advertisers, and I don't apologize for being over 50. But anyhow, they're, they're looking for young adults, 18 to 49. The, the ratings were, were dismal. They were down 28 percent, almost 30 percent. Same demo from last year. 
hard decline of 23% in sets of eyeballs. So, um, it, and there, there's other reasons for it. And I'm not saying it's all the protests. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a topsy-turvy world this year. But I think the protests had some impact on it. For me, I'm still going to be watching the Packers games and cheering and yelling, Aaron, throw the ball, the guy's wide open. A uh, number of people are pointing out that, at least in the early ratings, the Sunday night ratings, they, they say it's the lowest in 10 years. Now, again, you got to be careful reading too much into that because it's it's a strange year. I mean, that that's just it. There, like I say, no no preseason football. It kind of snuck up on us. But last night's matchup, I mean, Dallas and Los Angeles. The, you know, Mike Holmgren, Mike, Mike Holmgren. Um, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. I said, Holmgren was here doing a political thing. That's why I was thinking of Holmgren. Yeah, but McCarthy's first game is the Dallas Cowboys coach. And I, I, I like Mike McCarthy. I met him on a couple occasions. And I, I while I think it was time for him to leave Green Bay, I've, I always liked him as a person. And I, you, you read the Dallas papers, by the way, they're brutal on him this morning. Just brutal. Who would want that job? Well, right. And and, and I will say this, that the, the McCarthy-coached Cowboys – looked a lot to me like the McCarthy coached Packers for the last couple of years. It was kind of like predictable and I but I, I really wish him well because I I've I always like my occasions the times I've met Mike McCarthy I've always kind of been impressed with him. But in any event, ratings down, um they say it's like a ten year low. Now they, they always adjust those and all and it's a it's a weird sort of year, but it is going to be interesting to see if that whole thing does continue. But yeah, they, they look somebody was making sending me a note saying, what's this eighteen to forty nine? Yeah, I mean they they when you look at ratings, TV and radio, for that matter, too, they, they break it down into, like, age groups. And, like, in TV, 18 to 49 is one of the that, – that's – we, we want to – advertisers want to concentrate on that. And it's never made any sense to me because, again – I mean, a lot of people, particularly in that younger age group, you don't have the disposable income that many people over the age of 50 have. Um, you know, you're, if, if you're 25 years old, you're probably not buying like high end luxury $50,000 cars. Right? But I just, but I, I end up, uh, I, but I, I digress. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, you know, you reach a certain point where now part of the thing in the part of the justification is they say that once you reach a certain point in life, a lot of your your buying choices are set. For example, if you're trying to sell somebody toothpaste, all right, I I mean, I've used Colgate toothpaste all my life, and I'm not changing. I mean, it's not that I have anything against against Crest or whatever, but I mean, that's my my brand loyalty is there. So, I mean, I like Cheerios. I mean, it's not that I have anything against other forms of cereal, but I, you know, I I can see ads for all this other cereal and chances are I'm still going to buy Cheerios. So, I mean, you've got, so that's one of the things they say as you get older, you're, you know, you're, you're not persuadable when it comes to brands and stuff like that. Um, And I don't know. I still think that. I think that targeting people all across the age spectrum uh, is what makes sense for me. Okay, I want to discuss what the police did in Wauwatosa, and I want to get your reaction to it. Now, let me back into this story, because I don't know what, in the story in the paper, the police are getting criticized. This is one where I think you have to put yourself in the position of the police and then ask did they do anything wrong? Now, here's the background on this. We all know that Wauwatosa has been kind of ground zero for some relatively small but very, very noisy protests. 
it goes back to last February. There's the now um, suspended police officer, Joseph Mensa, who um, was involved in a shooting. Some 17-year-old kid, gets he shoots and kills the kid at Mayfair Mall. The story from the police is that the kid had a, a stolen handgun and fired at the police. Okay, matter is under investigation. I think it's appalling that it has taken the district attorney's office this long to come down with a decision, you know, one way or or the other. And I hope that they're not just stalling this decision because they're concerned with the political ramifications of this. I mean, it's it's this 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 whole investigation, it's you know, my, I'm told that they've interviewed lots and lots of people, but there's only so many people you can interview. This isn't a complex white collar case. I mean, it's you either determine either the kid had a gun and he fired at the police or, or he didn't. Seems to me it's, it's relatively straightforward. But John Chisholm, the district attorney, ends up sitting on it. As a result, this has led to a series of escalating, increasingly violent activities going on in Wauwatosa. I fault the Wauwatosa authorities, particularly the civilian authorities, for letting it get this way. You have a relatively small group, and we're not talking about hundreds or thousands. We're talking about tens, 30, 40, 50 people started going through Mayfair Mall, shutting down Mayfair Mall. Then they'd go out to like the Cheesecake Factory, which is in the perimeter of Mayfair Mall, and they'd walk in and they'd take over the place and they'd scream at people who were eating. Then you had some of these disruptions in Wauwatosa, and it ultimately led to a number of people deciding that we're going to go out and we're going to vandalize the house where this this cop lives, actually his girlfriend's house. You remember that story. You have all these people show up, and they're throwing toilet paper, and there's somebody who brings a shotgun and ends up firing around um, through the, the kitchen door. I mean, so... In, in Wauwatosa, this has been getting progressively more out of control, and one of the things I think you're seeing is that more and more people in Wauwatosa and in surrounding communities are saying enough is enough. You, you cannot allow this to get out of control, and I, I think they better keep up with that approach because sooner or later, John Chisholm is going to have to announce his decision, and people are going to be unhappy on either side of this, and if as I know the police believe is going to happen, the officer is cleared. Well, then you got to wonder, you know, what what's going to happen? And Wauwatosa better be prepared to make sure that we don't have a repeat of what happened in Kenosha if and when the police officer is cleared. But anyhow, one of the tactics that the protesters have been using, this isn't a large group, like I say, but one of the tactics, in addition to trying to, you know, bum rush Mayfair Mall and close that down and do the things at the Cheesecake Factory, is they've been um, staging these car caravans where, you know, you, you drive through the streets, you disrupt traffic, you scream, you make noise, wake up, wake up, all that type of stuff. Well, here's the story as reported in the Journal Sentinel, and it, it, it happened a week ago Saturday night. It says a Menominee Falls couple might take legal action. They say they were pulled out of their car by several Wauwatosa police officers after they were caught in the middle of a protest a week ago Saturday night near Mayfair Mall. So apparently what happened is you have these two young people, one's 18, one's 19, and they're, it's about 11 o'clock at night. They're on their way home to Menominee Falls, and they get stuck, I guess, in the middle 
of this moving protest. Um, they said they noticed several cars driving recklessly. Now, what's going on here? They didn't know it at the time, but they said this is the protest making its way down North Mayfair Road. So they're inadvertently, they're caught up in the middle of this where you've got all these yahoos that are screaming and yelling and driving you know, recklessly. Moments later, when they were on North Mayfair Road near the mall, where they've had all these problems before, they say they see someone running towards their vehicle. That person began to bang on the windows and the doors of their car, demanding to be let in. Police arrested the person who had come to the front of the couple's vehicle. So apparently what you've got going on is somebody who's done something and is running from the cops. He runs up to the car and he's banging, let me in, let me in, let me in. All right. According to now these two people in the car, the next thing I remember is the window shattering. I didn't hear anybody. Um, the driver's side window was smashed by police. They they removed the people from the car and they handcuff them. And then they start the investigative process. Um, person, one of the drivers, one of these 18, either the 18 or 19 year old saying, I'm screaming. We don't know him. We don't know what's happening. We're, we're just going home. The police describe this as a very chaotic scene. Officers thought that the couple were involved in in the protest. Um, so, and, and here's what the here's what the police see: they're chasing somebody who's fleeing from them. And again, I don't know what that person had done, but he goes running up to the car. He's banging on the car. Let me in. Let me in. The police assume that he's running up to a car that he knows and he's trying to get in and, and get away from the cops. So they stop the car and they remove the two people from it. The folks then they're they're detained for about a half hour while the police are investigating this whole thing. Um they're the couple. They're, they're unhappy. They say it was fear. Um, you know, scary. It was nerve wracking. You know, our windows being smashed, etc. They're detained for between fifteen minutes to thirty minutes while the police conduct their investigation. They ultimately figure out that no, th- these people weren't part of the protest. They weren't the getaway car for whatever this guy was doing, and they they let them they let them go on their way. All right, and so now there's a story in the Journal Sentinel. They're considering hiring an attorney to sue the police, et cetera, et cetera. Now, obviously, in a situation like this, this case, the police were incorrect. They saw what they saw. They believed that the drivers of this vehicle, two young people, in the middle of all this craziness at 11 o'clock at night, they believed they were part of this, and they believed that they were the getaway car for this guy who was trying to bang on the car windows and, and get in. They were wrong in what they saw, and apparently they busted the window and detained the guy. Obviously, you know, you've got a claim, and the city of Wauwatosa should pay for their window. I mean, there's no question about that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And the police, ultimately, what they saw was incorrect. They assumed that this couple was part of the protest. They assumed that they were trying to help this guy get away. They weren't. Was this an honest mistake? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, you see these things. As it turns out, they they were not involved in this. They were the classic examples of people being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So what happens now? To me, it's you apologize, sorry, 
This is what happened. This is why we thought what we did. Obviously, we're wrong. Sorry about this. You know, we're clearly going to fix your, your window that was broken. But beyond that, I understand why the police acted in the fashion that they did. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do we go from here? We discuss next. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, now, obviously, the situation we talked about, the the police, under the circumstances, you see this car driven by these two young people that is in the middle of this uh, again demonstration. People driving recklessly, etc. There's somebody fleeing from the cops. Runs up to their car, bangs on the car. Hey, let me in. Let me in. The police assume that that car was associated with the person who was trying to get in the car. Turns out that's not the case. All right. I, I think clearly any damage done to the, the vehicle window was busted, and somebody's telling me there was kind of a fender that was dented or something like that. Obviously, you're, you're entitled to have that done. Beyond that, though, I'm sorry. Seems to me that should be the end of it. 855-616-1620. Adam in Mequon. Adam, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Uh, well, I just finished talking to your uh, person that uh, uh-huh. let me on the air, and he told me, uh, can you wait? And I said, yes. Uh, I, I feel that, that they were um, involved in that because they were young people, and it was 11 o'clock at night. I also told him, your your fella, that uh, – uh, I I was I was uh, arrested for OWI four times, and uh, I went in front of Judge uh, Amato, and uh, he told me he says to me he says, well, Mr. Mr. Adam, uh, you're uh, you were <laughs> you're probably at the wrong place at the wrong time, and then he said to me, I see ya. <laughs> well, that means he was. I was arrested. Well, yeah, <laughs> and Adam, I was guilty. Right, well, Adam. Thanks. See, and see, and this was these these two were in the wrong place in the quote unquote wrong place at the wrong time. I, I get it. But that 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 happens. You have see this is one of these things. And I, I think it is fair it is fair to criticize police when they make mistakes. Police are, are not perfect. Now now one of the things that we fall into nowadays is, is we have this idea of Monday morning quarterbacking and, and we start to look through stuff with the you know through the prism of okay the, all the facts we know 12 hours after a situation. Well, okay, that that's not known to the police. Okay, so here you have another one of these increasingly out-of-control protests going on, you know, a week ago, Saturday night in, in Wauwatosa. People driving recklessly, and you have this car, again, driven by two young people, and, and that, that probably did not help. My guess is if it were, you know, uh, me and my wife, <laughs> my wife and I, if it was us in the middle of this, not that I think we would have necessarily been in the middle of it, but yeah, my, my guess is maybe the reaction would have been would have been different, especially since my reaction to somebody banging on the car trying to get in might have been different than theirs were. But I, but I understand they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But all the police know is, hey, we've got somebody who's committed some crime. He's running away from us. He's trying to get into this car. Yeah, we... We want to stop this car. We don't want him to be able to get away, and we want to find out, you know, what the occupants of the car have to do with this. Now, as it turns out, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's, that is an unfortunate situation. It is unfortunate that they were detained for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. That is an unfortunate thing, but this is an investigatory stop, and the police are trying to sort this out. Meanwhile, you've got all this other 
craziness that is going on. Candidly, if I were the couple, you know who I'd be respond. You know who I'd be maddest with. You know who I'd be looking at trying to file a lawsuit against if you need to file a lawsuit. I'd be talking about the the jokers that were doing this this the the protest in the first place. The ones who were okay fleeing from the police, the ones who were engaging in the criminal behavior in the first place, which necessitated the police response, because that's actually what what started this all off. The reason these people got into the middle of something is, hey, they're just trying to go home. They're driving past Mayfair Shopping Center. And next thing you know, you've got all these crazy people that are driving recklessly, et cetera, et cetera. And you are in the middle of it. I mean, I understand that nobody likes to have a, a police interaction like this. I, I get it. And I'm sure to an extent it was probably somewhat traumatic, but nobody was injured. And now you've kind of got a story to tell out of this. And as long as the police are going to fix the car, seems to me that that's, that's what the appropriate response is. You apologize, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, you know, maybe you say, hey, I need to avoid this particular area um, as long as these protests are going on because, you know, authorities, uh, you know, authorities need to get stuff under control. And I will say this, at some point in time, they're going to have to come out with this decision involving criminal charges or no criminal charges. And, and once they do, Wauwatosa better be prepared because if the decision goes the way uh, that the mob doesn't want it to go, I mean, I, I think there's some people who are going to see if they can try to turn Wauwatosa into another version of Kenosha. Hopefully, authorities are going to be better prepared in that eventuality than they were a couple weeks ago. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Tony Bedick, do you, do you ever, like, open up your email? Do you get hate email? You don't? No, actually. Oh, well, pleasantly, you, no. no. You, you want to answer? Oh, no, it's, it's fine. No, it's, you know, you you, you want to, you, you should, you should like, watch my email account. Yeah. It's, it's on, on a daily basis, you know, you could, or that and the Twitter stuff and the and the uh, the text line. But, okay, so here, here's the deal. So this morning, I, I, I normally get up, normally it's about 6.30 in the morning, but this mm-hmm. morning I didn't have anything that I had to do, so I, I slept in a little bit late. So I... I it's about seven o'clock. I've taken the dog out. I walked her. I've got my cup of coffee. I'm upstairs yeah, in my office, yep. and I'm kind of like logging on. And you know, I, there's a couple sites I, I start on. I go to the Wall Street Journal to see what the stock market futures look like, and then I, I read a couple things. And then you know, I, I go to my personal email account, and then I go to my um, I, I go to my work email account, which is Jay Wagner at Good Karma Brands. And so I, I noticed that there's. Okay, there's a couple emails from listeners or former listeners, as it turns out, that are in there. So it's like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm the first one is from some lady who, um, well, she says she's never listening again. So I guess it doesn't make any difference. Whatever, but it's inevitably you always get these. I'm never listening again. And then, like, like three days later, what happens is they send you this other email. Oh, yeah, about, you hear back from them like, well, like all well, of a sudden. Exactly. It's like you know, I'm never listening to you again. And then you get this other. Oh, and then you get this other three days later. This really nasty <laughs> thing. And I'm always tempted to kind of send a note back saying, "Wait a second, didn't you tell me that you weren't ever going to listen again?" And but that's you know, don't poke the bear. So anyhow, there's this lady named Jill who. At six thirty, it sent me this this thing, and I, I can't. It, she's upset because of what Trump said to the, to Bob Woodward that he said, you know, he, he downplayed the yep, thing. Yep. She's upset about that, and so 
Um, conservatives will owe the people of the United States an apology. Shame on you. I'm never listening to you any longer. I, I'm, I'm not even sure what my connection <laughs> is to that, but okay. And, yeah, see you later, Jill. Okay, it's gone. Okay. So then, so that's, that, that's at 6.30, and I am thinking, it's 6.30 on a Monday. I mean, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're this hacked off at 6.30 on the Monday right that, that, that you're, you're sending some radio talk show host that this thing from something that happened like last week or, or whatever. I'm thinking, oh, man, I just... I, I just I wonder how her week is going to turn out if you just if you kind of wake up and and you know you're in the red at that point in time. Okay, so then I'm, I, I go to the next one. Now this one comes in at three thirty four in the morning. Three thirty four in the morning, and it's from a guy named Jim, who says I can't sleep. I haven't slept well in months. I guess hence it's three thirty four in the morning. Sense. I just learned Donald held an indoor rally in Nevada. Or should I say a super spreader event that flaunts his own health guidelines in the state of Nevada, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, people are dying at this. Uh, you, you've got to, you've got to criticize the world is listening. Well, actually, I wish the world were listening, but it's, it's not. A good chunk of Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin listens and some parts of the world on the internet, but unfortunately mm-hmm. the whole world doesn't listen. But it, it's, it's the challenge to go ahead because he, he hasn't slept and we've got to criticize the president. But I'm thinking it's 3.34 in the morning. I mean, Seriously, that's yeah, that's back to back almost this morning to start off your week. Well, and it's fine, but I'm just I'm thinking, you know, I mean, if I'm up at three thirty four in in the morning, you know, it's there's all sorts of things that I'm going to do, but I'm I'm not going to be sending somebody like me, you know, this this note with the the challenge and all. It's kind of like, man, that's it's God's way of telling you to go see a doctor and get some sleep for goodness sake, you know. Just try to get it off, and I guess here they're. The person who has to deal with it, right. the therapist, ask. ask. It's three thirty in the morning, though. I mean, you know, and it's just you, you can't sleep. I, there's all sorts of things I do when I, well, I, I, as my wife will tell you, I have no trouble sleeping. You know, the world can be, and I'm just, I just, just sleep fine. But yeah. in any event, I, I did want to address his, his concerns because I'm thinking you send me an email at three thirty in the morning, and please, you don't need to get in the habit of it. I, I think it's a topic that is worth discussing. The 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 first one, I'm not even sure which her point was, but but this one. It is, and I, I want to discuss this with you, and we're going to talk about what happened yesterday in Nevada in just a moment. Jordan, producing the show today. And always, you, know, you know, what used to happen is I, I used to get all sorts of, you, you, you'd get up, you'd check your emails and stuff, and I used to have all this stuff that would come in overnight, and I couldn't figure out why is somebody sending me some email re, and reacting specifically to a topic. Why, why is somebody sending that? Well, what used to happen is we used to run like a Best of Wagner thing overnights. You know, like on, on weekends, they used to play like replay, and they take replays of, of shows, in some cases shows from like two or three weeks ago, and they play, now we don't do that anymore, but they play them from like three to five o'clock on, <laughs> on like Saturday night, Sunday morning, or whatever. So there'd be these people that would be listening, and they didn't apparently realize that it was on tape, and that I wasn't really in the studio from three to five in the morning, and they'd want to share all their thoughts, and I'm like... Why are we? Why am I getting this at four o'clock in the morning from something we talked about three weeks ago? But it was a tape that they heard. Okay, yeah, I know for Brewers games because we can't stream them. I know like there's some sort of issue with copyright, all that right. stuff. So we do have like the best of Wagner, the right. best of Scafidi playing, you know, right. on the stream during the game. Right. So that could possibly, you know, right. 
Right. And, uh, exactly. You know, but th- that does not explain why well, you wake up at 3.30 in the morning yeah, or whatever. But, but, it, but no, it's kind of like, I think, why is this person so upset about this? And then somebody said, oh, well, they were listening at 4 a.m. That's what we played from three weeks ago. All right. But that's that's great. Hey, but before we talk about this, I, I do, I want to just take a quick sidestep here because this, this is, it's legit and it is very, very cool. Uh, do you own a local business or know somebody that does? And, and here's the deal. One small business can win a $50,000 advertising campaign. And again, this is legit. It's, it's something that, you know, we've done. We're teaming up with Associated Bank to help local businesses grow and succeed through these challenging times. So what what we have is this contest. It is a contest. We're going to pick one business. They're going to get a $50,000 advertising campaign. Here's what you do. There's a website, rebuildingwibusiness.com. you got to go there. The entries have to be filled out and in by September 27th. One deserving business. Who work away with an ad walk away with an ad campaign valued at fifty thousand dollars. But time is, is running out. Head to rebuildingwibusiness.com for entry details, official contest rules. Associated Bank is a member of FDIC. So it, it's I think you know, we we've been talking about this and I think sometimes people's like eyes just kind of gloss over. Really? No, it, it it's completely and totally legit. It's something that, you know, we've come up with in consultation with our friends at Associated Bank, and the idea is, hey, let, let's find a deserving local business, and let's let's work it out so they get a $50,000 advertising campaign. Um, all the rules, again, at that website, rebuildingwibusiness.com, and the entry deadline is about two weeks. It's September 27th. Okay, so what, what generated the, the email I was referring to? Over, uh, actually yesterday, President Trump had a large in-person rally in Nevada. He did it in in Clark County, which is outside of Las Vegas. And if you remember back to the 2016 campaign, the the hallmark of President Trump was he'd have these large rallies, and people would turn out for the Make America Great rallies, and it built and it built momentum. As a general rule, he has not done that since. The COVID-19 outbreak. He did one rally in Tulsa, and that's become very controversial because some people said, oh, it, it led to the, the spread of COVID. Other people say that that's kind of like junk science, and it's really just the Trump uh, opponents who are trying to justify that, and that the truth was it really didn't. I, regardless of how you feel about it, he has not been, as a general rule, doing these large rallies. So he wants to stage a rally in Nevada. Nevada is a state that is in play, and some people think that he has a chance to win it. He, he didn't win it uh, last time around. So he he tried to, the Trump campaign tried to find locations for outdoor rallies. Um, they, they had one that we're going to do in Reno, um, where and then the the Reno Airport Authority said they were going to do it in an airport hangar that was going to be like open. They said nope, you you can't do that because we've got a, gatherings are limited to less than fifty people. Okay, so the campaign then went out. They looked at five different outdoor venues, outdoor venues to have the rally, and for each of those five, the the governor of of uh, Nevada, who's a Democrat, doesn't like Trump, the governor vetoed all of those, said, nope, we're, we're not going to allow these rallies because we've got limits on gatherings of over 50 people. You can 
I, I guess have have people inside a casino gambling, but you can't have uh, an outdoor rally exceeding like fifty people. So anyhow, so they they're, they're not able to do this outdoor rally. So what they ended up doing is they they settled on an indoor manufacturing plant, and what they did is they added added extra ventilation. They kept the doors open, but what happened is they had there were several thousand people who turned up for this Trump rally yesterday. It was in an indoor venue. Now, the state guidelines say no more than 50 people. Uh, the governor of Nevada extremely upset. Trump getting ripped. Uh, I'm looking at the headlines in the New York Times. Trump defies Nevada directive as thousands gather for indoor rally. Um, President Joe Biden says, okay, look, this is, this is Trump being the super spreader, etc. Uh, here's the way the New York Times reports it. Thousands of Trump supporters, the vast majority of them foregoing face masks, packed inside a manufacturing plant on Sunday night in the in a Las Vegas suburb as Trump brashly ignored a state directive limiting indoor gatherings to under 50 people. There were no signs of any attempts at social distancing inside the venue. Attendees wearing red Make America Great Again caps sat in white folding chairs crammed together on the floor of the Extreme Manufacturing Plant, which said on its website that it had restricted meetings and gatherings to no more than 10 people in large areas. So what they did is this business made an exception to allow the president to come in. Thousands of people decided that they were going to show up and attend. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. So President Trump wanted to have outdoor rallies. The governor was not allowing him to do the outdoor rallies. So they said, well, we're going to go ahead. We want to campaign. We're coming out there anyways, and people can decide whether they want to show up or not. And thousands of people decided that they were, in fact, going to show up. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. All right, here's the deal. Was it irresponsible for President Trump to go ahead and do this? Was it irresponsible for the people to make the decision that they were going to attend? We do have this thing called the First Amendment in this country, and we do have a presidential election going on. Should the governor of Nevada been able to say essentially to the president, I'm not going to allow you to campaign the way you want to campaign here. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I guess, is there something, I don't know, is there something a bit odd about the fact that you can have hundreds of hundreds of people gambling on a casino floor on the strip in L.A., but you can't have people going to a rally for a presidential candidate, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whatever. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. This is from Molly in Menominee Falls. Jeff, I was just in Las Vegas over Labor Day weekend, and if you can have thousands of people inside a casino or thousands of people outside on the strip smoking marijuana, not wearing masks, I think you can have an indoor rally of more than 50 people. It's hypocritical to say otherwise. 855-616-1620. Well, the truth is, at least from what I understand, there there would have been an outdoor rally, except the, the governor repeatedly shot that down. Um, he clearly did not want President Trump there. I do think 
it is more than a little bit hypocritical to say, okay, we're going to allow large gatherings inside casinos, but we're, we're not going to allow a political rally to occur, which isn't to say that I would have attended. Darlene in Raymond. Darlene, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, Jeff, I just got back from Las Vegas two weeks ago, and everybody in the casino is wearing a mask. They are not allowed to be in there without a mask, and right. they're very stringent about that. So if if this people are going to be inside all wearing masks, then I think it was okay. But it's not okay because I know that they are not going to wear masks. So don't compare that to the people that are out gambling in the casinos. Well, it'll be, you, you see, because you're saying because they in, they enforce the mask rule on the, in the on the casino floor. That's, that's what you see as the sanction. Well, but the governor wasn't going to approve it regardless. He, he said, nope, uh, this is the, the, the he was not going to approve it. Masks or no masks. Now, you're right. A lot of people chose not to wear masks, but he wasn't going to approve it, period. You would have had no problem if they required him to wear masks. Well, uh, well, okay, but you and I both know that Trump people are not going to wear masks. Well, no, and they didn't. No, no thanks for calling. No, they, they didn't wear masks. I, that's that, that's it. They, the people that went made the decision that uh, it, it, by as a general rule. There's apparently there were thousands of people there, and some of the people were wearing masks. But the the vast majority, at least on the photos I've seen, chose that they were not going to wear the masks. Let's talk to John on the West Side. John, you're on WTMJ. Uh, yes, John here. Um, I, I think if it's fifty people, it's fifty people. You know, I mean, if that's the law, you know. Now, if mm-hmm. you don't, if you if you're not going to go by the law, then it's no big deal. That's whether it's Trump or whether it's uh, Biden or whoever. You know, I mean, the law is the law. SCOP says stop. It don't say yield. It don't say if someone, you know, <laughs> if no one's coming, it says stop. It's the law. So we're going to start breaking laws. Let's just break them for everything that we won't need a law. So what? What do you? What is it? What should happen to the people that attended? Do you fault them? Uh, not the ones that um, that attended it. I think that uh, that the people that, um, uh, that that made the law, they're not. You know, they're not making you uh, follow the law. Okay. Well, I mean, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's. The, I think what you have here is you have a degree of selective enforcement. That the governor didn't want this rally to occur. He didn't want the Trump campaign to be able to come there and to have the rally. And so I think it's pretty clear that they were targeting the Trump, Trump, the Trump campaign in an effort to try to stop them. Now, look, I, I, I think that you should play by the rules. I, I'm a rules are rules guy. And if I was the Trump campaign, I would not have gone and had an indoor rally, you know, when the rules say you, you can't have the indoor rally. At the same time, at the same time, I do think that there's more than, you know, a little bit of hypocrisy there where we have, I don't know, in the city of Milwaukee, we have rules that say you're supposed to be outdoors. If you're outdoors, you're supposed to be wearing masks. But yet when you have the protests, large numbers of people don't wear masks and there's no consequences for that. So it seems to me that there is a degree of selective enforcement. At the same time, what you also see is people are making individual decisions. This ties back to what we talked about in the 12 o'clock hour of the program, which which is why it is so difficult to enforce these various mandates when people 
just don't believe in them. And, and, you know, you can argue about whether they're right or wrong or whatever, but when, you know, large numbers of people just don't believe in them, it, it shows the difficulty government has in trying to enforce rules. And a number of people are texting me and they're making the point that I, I understand that there's people who want to see the mask issue as being necessarily a political issue. There's lots of Republicans who wear masks, and we, we know that there's lots of Democrats who attend, for example, protests who don't wear masks. So it's not necessarily cut and dried on party lines. If I were the president, I, I, I would not have I, I would not have had the indoor rally. At the same time, I, I do think you know, rather than just going ahead and doing it, maybe this is one where you go to court and sue because you say, hey, wait a second, you know, how can you allow people to be on casino floors, masks or unmasked, you know, inside where alcohol is being served, etc., and not allow a, a political rally to occur? Hey, this week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by our friends at Great Midwestern Bank, is Great Midwest Bank is Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Pella now, pay later. I, I, I wanted to just comment on something that was in Tony's news because I think there's a a bit of misunderstanding about it. And again, people are trying to to see politics where I, I, I don't know that politics exists. That right now in Wisconsin, there, there's yet another electoral mess which is shaping up here. Here's the deal. Um, Absent by law. If you have already requested an absentee ballot, the clerks are supposed to send those ballots out by, I believe, Thursday, the 17th. I think that's what the law says. All right. It obviously takes a long time to get ballots sent out. You have to you, you have to physically have the ballot and then you have to put it in the envelope and then you have to check it and make sure the address is right and have to send it out. It's not a, it's not an easy process, even with automation. All right. So here's, here's the deal. The Green Party candidate for president. There is an issue with whether she is going to be allowed on the ballot or not. They, uh, the Green Party submitted enough valid signatures to be on the presidential ballot. But there's apparently an issue where there, there's in the in the paperwork they filed, there's two separate addresses for the candidate that are, that are put there. It, it's a technicality. And I guess the question is, how significant is it? Now, here's where politics comes in. The State Elections Commission has six members, three Republicans, three Democrats. Democrats don't want the Green Party candidate on the ballot because they are concerned that that candidate, while not going to win, might siphon some votes away from Joe Biden. So they don't want people to have the choice of being able to vote for the Green Party candidate because in a state that Donald Trump won by, what, less than 20,000 votes or whatever, you know, every vote counts. Republicans, on the other hand, Republicans would like to see that third-party candidate on the ballot, again, thinking maybe it'll siphon some votes away from Joe Biden. I don't know if that's the reality or not about whether it will, but that's what the politics of this are. So the three Democrats say, even though there's enough valid signatures, we're going to look at this discrepancy in addresses and we're going to keep the person off. The Republicans say, no, they should be on. So because it's split three to three, the person, the Green Party candidate, isn't on the ballot right now. 
All right. Well, the Green Party candidate is saying, wait a second. I, this, I, I, you know, you should not keep me off because of this technicality. And the Green Party candidate has gone to court to sue to say I should be on. All right. Well, now you've got these ballots that got to go out by Thursday. And a number of ballots have been printed already, and they don't have the Green Party candidate's name on them. So the court is now deciding, first of all, should the should the candidate be on the ballot or not? If they decide no, she shouldn't, well, it's no problem because, you know, all these ballots have been printed. You go ahead and you send them out. Or if ones have already been sent out, you don't have to worry about it. If the court decides no, then the person should be on the ballot, then you've got a mess because then what they have to do is they have to print up all new ballots and they have to figure out, have clerks already sent out some ballots that didn't have the Green Party candidate on them and how do you get those ballots back? What do you do? It's a mess. But there's all this attention now, you know, the, the state high court, the Supreme Court has put a hold on sending out ballots till they figure this out. And people are, are seeing this again through a political prism. My my only comment is, what's the court supposed to do? I mean, here here you have this deal where you have somebody that thinks they should be on the ballot. They are suing to get on the ballot. You can't allow, it would seem to me, hundreds of thousands of potentially wrong ballots to go out and get into people's hands because then it's really going to be a mess. So you have no choice but to put everything on hold. Uh, the bottom line is I think the court needs to decide like really, really quickly like, I mean, like over last weekend, whether or not the Green Party candidate belongs on the ballot or not. And like I say, if they do, well, then you got to reprint all these ballots, and it's a mess. If they decide, no, that this technical reason is enough to keep them off the ballot, well, okay, then it's no problem because you've already got the ballots. But the bottom line is the Supreme Court, in my opinion, had no other option other to put, put stuff on hold while they try to figure it out. Okay, let us completely, totally switch gears, literally and figuratively, from what we've been talking. We've been talking about politics and COVID-19. I want to talk about manual transmission cars. Jordan, producing the show today. Can you drive a stick shift? (laughs) I thought you were joking. No, I can't. No, you can't drive a stick shift. No, you, you I, know, I've I never stick, tried. I'm sure I can't drive a stick shift. Okay, so you know what I mean when I talk about a stick, stick shift, a manual transmission car. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? I okay. think so, yes. All right, you, you think so. But I think so. Right, yeah, you, you don't remember if you've ever even been in a manual. I don't think I've ever, no, that's, no. How old are you? I'm 26. Okay, at the age, all right, fair enough. Age of 26, you not only can't drive them, you probably, you would get in there and you would go, what is yeah, this what different am I doing type here? of stuff? I have no idea. Okay, well, well, don't don't feel bad because th- these numbers are subject to change, but the, the most recent numbers I have estimate that only about 15% of Americans can drive stick shifts. Now, most of us might, some of us might know what they are, but only about 15% can drive stick shifts. In 2006, 46% of the new cars that were offered for sale in the U.S. came, you could get them with a manual transmission. About almost almost one in two. Now, that's not to say that every one out of two cars had a manual transmission. It's just that 47% of the cars that were offered, you could get it at the manual transmission if you want. Okay, that number has gone from 47% in 2006 down to 13% this year. In 2020, 
only 13% of the cars offered for sale in the country are manual transmission. You can even get them in manual transmission. Um, they estimate that uh, uh, last year, 2% of vehicles sold were manual transmission cars, just 2%. So this this is something that is completely and totally fallen out of favor. If you are of a certain age, for many people, you, you perhaps learn to drive on, on a stick shift. And for people who learn to drive on a stick shift, they they have trouble taking the manual trans. They, they, they like everything that's involved in, you know, you know, putting your foot on the clutch and letting in the clutch and, you know, and, and doing the shifting and stuff. But we don't have that anymore. As a matter of fact, for the cars that now, you know, the vast majority have automatic transmission cars, we are moving even away from that because we're moving towards self-driving cars. Now, I was thinking about this because there's a big story in the Wall Street Journal today Mourning the manual transmission. Mourning is an M-O-U-R, like I'm going to mourn the loss of this, uh, because th- this, I, I, my guess is that within the next, certainly within the next 10 years, maybe within the next five years, manual transmission cars are going to go the way of um, elevator operators, where you'd go in and there was somebody that actually would operate the elevator or VHS tapes or any one of a number of things. Uh, maybe AM, FM radios in cars. Remember that, that day? Cigarette lighters in cars. All those things. It's, I think the manual transmissions are going to be, be gone because number one, people don't know how to drive them. And number two, people don't want the, don't want the inconvenience of that. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I learned how to drive a manual transmission car. I want to confess it's been a long, long time. So I, I, it's kind of, I, I guess it's kind of like falling off a horse. I think I, I've fallen off riding a bicycle. That would be the phrase. It's kind of like riding a bicycle that once you know, you probably never forget. But I, I certainly want to practice this. But do you miss the manual transmission cars? Or were they just flat out a nuisance? And maybe, for example, a very close friend of mine, um, up until his most recent car, he had a manual transmission car, you know, because he's a car guy. He likes the way it feels. He likes doing it. But his wife didn't want to drive it. His kid didn't want to drive it. And ultimately, he decided it's just kind of like too much of a pain. 855-616-1620. Will we see manual transmission cars five years from now, 10 years from now? My guess is no. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Yeah, I, I didn't leave enough time for this conversation. Uh, jam phone lines and dozens and dozens and dozens of texts. Jeff, I would prefer a vehicle with a manual transmission. Manufacturers just don't offer them. Better gas mileage, less wear and tear on the brakes. Plus, most thieves don't know how to drive a vehicle with a manual tranny. You know, that's, that's it. You know, a car thief breaks in and goes, wait a second. What, what, what is this? I need to shift, um, this type of stuff. Jeff, I am a 51 year old female who loves driving a manual vehicle I have better control in the snow with non all-wheel drive vehicles I get better pickup when accelerating in a small car and I feel safer that no one will steal it because they can't drive it let's start with John on the north side John good afternoon hey buddy good afternoon I'm, I'm here <laughs> I had to get in on this one <laughs> we bought a we were young 60 years old we had a band and we had some columns which we had speakers and they, we couldn't find a, a station wagon that was uh, long enough for those uh, columns. So we bought up in DJs, 
we, uh, up in um, a place called DJ's in Madison. We bought a hearse, and the hearse had a stick shift. <laughs> 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 it had the curtains on the side on the side window, and what happened was the driver the driver got sick, <laughs> and he couldn't drive. So he's on the other side telling me how to drive it. With oh. that, it's, Stick was in the collar, in the column, and I'm I'm grinding those gears. So I, I finally got it as we got on, you know. Then later on, I bought myself a '63 Chevrolet, you know, which and I was cool. I love a stick shift, man. You know, downshifting that baby, it was really fun, man. Back then. and I was on 16, 17 years old, you know. Well, there you so go, that, right? That's that's no, thank, no, I mean, good, I mean, good memories, and I mean, see, a lot of people, you know, learn to drive. Now, I, I learned to drive on an automatic, but what ha- I mean, the reason I learned to drive stick shift is one of my roommates in college had a. Had a Pinto, yeah, the old the old Ford Pintos, and um, but he it, it was it was a stick shift, and so um, I if if we were going to take that car out, and I you know I had to learn how to drive that car because there was a lot of times that my roommate we drive to the party and he'd be too drunk to drive home, so I'd be the one that we'd drive in it. So I had to I had to figure that out. Let's talk to Mark. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I just think it's, I didn't hear the beginning of the topic, but uh, I did learn to drive manual as well. And right now I drive heavy-duty tow truck, and one of the things out there is barely any of the heavy-duty trucks, the semis you see out on the road, most of those are manual, with drivers not knowing how to drive stick shift and any more of those. Right. Right. Yeah, we were talking about, like, passenger cars. For for your vehicle, your, your passenger vehicle, Mark, is it stick shift? Uh, I have a second car that is okay, and uh, you know a brother who has a a Challenger, a new Challenger, and right. he, you know, uh, his previous one was stick shift. Now he's got an automatic, and even the new uh, 2020 Corvettes don't come with a manual anymore. Right, right, yeah, it, it's changed. No, thanks. That that's interesting. Yeah, right. The Corvette. I've got a list actually. Maybe I'll post a link to it. Or I'll send it out on Twitter. Of there, there's only a limited number of vehicles that they still make that you can you can get in stick shift because there's just no demand anymore. Rob, Rob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, I've got a stick shift car. I taught through my kids, age 20 to 30, how to drive one. My motorcycle is stick shift, or it's not stick shift, it's manual transmission. Right. And when I travel internationally, the majority of the cars in Mexico and Europe are still manual transmission. Yeah. So, do you think they're going to make ever make a comeback in the U.S., or you think it's just going to be again for aficionados or like dinosaurs or you know folks that are just real car enthusiasts? Yeah, I think it'll be for car enthusiasts because people can't eat and drive and you know, use their chopsticks while trying <laughs> to ship the car. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, here's a text, Jeff. My 21 year old daughter requested a stick as her first car. My other two daughters could drive one in an emergency. There will always be manual cars. That's what the rest of the world drives. Which is the point that um, you know he was. You know, he was making, Jeff, I'm 22. I own a manual car. I absolutely love it. I will be extremely sad if they go by the wayside. Um, Jeff, I love my stick shift. It, stick shift. it gives me better engine control. I feel like a dinosaur um, because the option is, in fact, vanishing. Well, there is the element of that. You, you, you can still get them, but you got to end up working at it. But I just thought it was staggering. You know, 40, 
14 years ago, 47% of the cars, that you, I'm not saying 47% were sold with stick shifts, but 47% of the cars were offered with that option. Uh, now it's down to 13%. You really have to look if you want to find them. The people that absolutely love it, absolutely love it, though. I just, I don't know. I think it might be going the way of cigarette lighters for most cars. Okay, when we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind. It is a shortened edition because there's a Brewers doubleheader coming up, and I think our coverage starts at 3.30. But John's been here all day preparing for Wisconsin's afternoon news.